Then Wednesday night we have our midweek services. They're in, in full bloom now. We do have uh, classes going on for all ages, children, adults as well. There are three or four adult classes going on. In two weeks, we're going to be starting a new Discovering God Hour series, What's the Difference? And the uh, pastor's going to he explained that this morning is going to be going on. There is an insert in your bulletin, and there are more available at the uh, registration table out there. If you'd like to take some to give to your friends to invite, this would be a good series for anyone to attend. Anyone. Then coming up in October is our Hayride and Bonfire. Uh, that's something you won't want to miss. It's going to be at the home of Edie and Jeff Mize. And there are maps available at the Information Center. Then we have a program for the kids, children through 12 age in uh, October, October the 25th, the Enchanted Trail. And you also have an opportunity to... Uh, to donate for that, if you like, there's a box out there with candies in it that they need more. It's a box to put candy in, not take candy from. I looked in there this morning, and uh, there are no Reese's, so it was safe. But uh, if I look again next week and there are Reese's, I might have to consider trading something. <laughs> uh, newcomer's Brunch that is going to be coming up on Saturday, November the 1st. For those of you that... Uh, are involved with that, remember to put that on your calendar, other things in your bulletin as well. So be, uh, just be aware of the things that are coming up, they're for you and uh, us, and we should take advantage of that. Um, I noticed in the bulletin this morning on the left-hand side, and this is not an announcement so you don't have to follow along, but I noticed in a bulletin this morning on the left-hand side it says, Discovering God for Adults at 11.15. Well, we're a little late, but that's okay. We have the Crossroads class for adults. We have the Newcomers Orientation. We have the New Members class. And then we have Bible study. That's this class here. And it's almost like if you're not involved with Crossroads or Newcomers or New Members, everybody else that's left over, come in here and see what you get. Or, on the other hand, it is the pastor is teaching someplace with a group, and our associate pastor is teaching someplace with a group, another church leader is teaching someplace with a group, so I come in here, and this is what you get. Sorry about that. I'll try to do my best. Um, Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm going to have to change my approach, though, this morning. It says Bible study. I was just going to talk to you for 35 minutes. No, that's not true. That's not true. Um, I I interpret that literally, Bible study. So what we're going to do is start at the beginning, Genesis. You don't need to turn to Genesis, but if you want to get your Bible ready, we will be using them. But I'm going to go all the way back to the Old Testament for just, just a minute or so for a reference point. Um, the Old Testament is a history of God's chosen people to be a lamp or a light to the world. Uh, who was God's chosen people during that time? That's a question. Demands an answer. Who was it? Israel. The Hebrew children, Israel, nation Israel, were to be a, a God's messenger during the Old Testament times. Okay, So we go all the way from 
Genesis. We get up to the book of Matthew, and now we're in the New Testament. But where does the Old Testament time really end? Let's, let's, let me do it another way. Let me do it this way, see if I can be more clear. In the Old Testament, we are under law. In the New Testament, we're under grace. Where does that age of grace begin? That's a question. <laughs> yes. The day of Pentecost. And what is significant about the day of Pentecost? Wes, go ahead. What was it? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Started the start of the universal church. Good. Okay. Okay. Until the day of Pentecost. So that Old Testament time then, the time of the law, would also include Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Because the day of Pentecost occurs in the scriptures, and it's an account of when it was, after the death of Christ, on the day of Pentecost, after Christ's death and resurrection. And that is the beginning of the church. Now, what I'd like to do this morning is have you look with me at the church and its mission here on earth. During the Old Testament time, the nation Israel was God's appointed messenger to the rest of the world. From the day of Pentecost on, who is God's appointed messenger to the rest of the world? That's a question. <laughs> I'm sorry? Who was it? The church. Absolutely, the church. Who is the church? Thank you. We are. You are. I am. We are the church. What is the church's position today? What is our, our mission? The gospel. To present the gospel to the world. Okay? So we have a task. Um, some people take it a little more seriously than others. But we do have this, this appointed task that God started way back in the Old Testament with the nation Israel. And when God in his providence knew that that wasn't going to work out, so he planned for us, the church, or when the church started at the day of Pentecost, the New Testament believers, um, or those who accepted Christ and those who are now under the age of grace, to be the appointed ones to present Christ and, and God and his plan and his story. Here we are 2,000 years later, and that job has come down to, to us. If you're a believer, if you've accepted Christ into your life as your personal Savior, then you are part of the church. And I would submit to you that what you are is... As I look out, this is a little difficult to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm going to look you right in the eye and say it. You all are saints. No reactions. That's good. The Bible says you're saints. 
If you're a believer, you are a saint. And what I'd like to do today is just discuss what I would call today and next week. You'll have to endure me next week as well, probably, unless you're not here. I'll be here whether you are or not. But next week and this week, we're going to look at what I would call saints alive. Saints alive. Now, I already told you that as I look out here and see you, I see a bunch of saints. Now, the next question that I have to answer is, do I see live saints or dead saints? Of course, you have the same question that you have to answer when you look at me. Do you see a live saint or do you see a dead saint? One of the things that is so great about being a Christian is that God has many opportunities for us to do many, many things. He gives us lots of things to do. And one of the greatest things about that is God never gives us a task to do without giving us the means to accomplish that task. He gives us a job and he gives us a way to do that job. Sometimes specific instructions about how we should carry that job out. Really what I want to look at today and next week would fall under the category of the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit. Now, I'm not going to give you a laundry list of this is a gift of the Spirit, this is a gift, this is a gift. We might look at some general categories. We will like look at some specific things. But the thing that I want to challenge you with is the fact that as a saint, you need to be alive. If you're alive, what's the best way to show that? What is it? Live. Live. <laughs> can, can, you, can you, well, okay, I'll go along with that. What's the best way to show that you're living? Do something. Don't just sit and look at me like, did he ask a question or not? I'll let you know when I ask a question, okay? Uh, but do something. Be alive. Be alive. Why do you think when Jesus was on earth that he told his disciples, I'm going to be leaving you, but when I leave, God's going to send another who's going to be with you, another like I am, and he's going to guide you, he's going to instruct you, he's going to prompt you, he's going to show you things that you should do. And who was Jesus talking about when he told that to his disciples? The Holy Spirit. So Christ has already said to his disciples and to us, 2,000 years down the road, I've given you the Holy Spirit. When we accept Christ into our lives, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. As we live our Christian lives, we're continually being filled with the Spirit. From the time the Spirit came into my life, He has never left me. Well, there have been times that I've turned my back on the Spirit, but the Spirit has never left me. He's there continually watching over me. He's there continually guiding me, giving me challenges that I should be willing to accept because I belong to Him. When you talk about spiritual gifts, 
hopefully in your mind, when I say we're going to look at the subject of spiritual gifts, you already have some portions of Scripture picked out in your mind that we probably will be looking at. Like Ephesians chapter 4 talks about spiritual gifts. Like Romans chapter 8 talks about spiritual gifts. Like 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 14 talks about spiritual gifts. Uh, we are, I'd like for you to turn this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you have an NIV Bible or if you have another Bible that has paragraph headings or, or sectional headings, you'll see that this particular one here in chapter 12, mine is an NIV, it says, concerning spiritual gifts. And what I want to do is look at spiritual gifts with you this morning in general, and as we have time, then we would go into maybe some specifics. But bearing in mind that we belong to the Holy Spirit, He is living within us, He is quickening us, He's making us alive, as we accept that from the Holy Spirit, then we need to display the fact that we are indeed saints, alive. Not dead saints. There are enough of those around already. Alive. Saints, alive. That's you. That's me. It says in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, first verse, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth, Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And what the Apostle Paul is doing here, without really getting into exactly what does he mean by these verses, but basically what he's getting into here is that the Holy Spirit is here among us. The Holy Spirit is, is controlling us unless we do not allow him to control us. It's not like it, sometimes it might be too bad that the Holy Spirit doesn't say, Hey, I want your attention because I've got something for you. But the Holy Spirit sometimes just speaks to us in a still small voice, something that, that we feel in our heart. This is, this is, boy, that's something that I really ought to be doing. And then I have the option of saying, okay, I'll do that, or no, I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> like, most of you know that we took, a, uh, we took a trip last month, my wife, my daughter, and I. Uh, we went to Europe for two weeks. We, we took a train, and we, we did 14 countries in 15 days. It was, but we had a great time. But when we got to Hungary, Budapest, Hungary, we met some, some friends there who are missionaries. And I said to Keith, this fellow, I said, do you really like living in Hungary? I mean, nobody speaks the language. Well, he says, you learn to speak their language. And, and he enjoyed being there. You know, I don't know if I would want to go someplace in the world to live where I have to learn a brand new language to be able to just go to the supermarket and buy... It looks like... Uh, it looks like ham, but it, I don't know what that says on the package. I'm not really sure what that is. 
The Holy Spirit doesn't always give us to do the things that we feel really comfortable doing or things that we always want to do, but He's always got a task for us. And remember what I said earlier? When God gives us a task to do, He also provides the means for us to do that task. He never leaves us on our own. The Holy Spirit is always there with us. So, Paul is telling the Corinthians here, let the Holy Spirit have control. Let him be in charge. Just follow. Just follow. And as you follow, then you will be active, which shows that you are indeed alive. In verse 4, it says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. These are different kinds. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, if you look at those verses just a little bit closer, I think we can see the Trinity at work in those three verses. It says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And who is Lord? Jesus Christ, the Son. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So I think what the Apostle Paul is doing here in the book of Corinthians, talking to the Corinthian church and again to us, is showing us that it's, it's God who's at work. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We're never left on our own. <laughs> They're always there. They're always there. Even when I turn my back on God, He's still there. I may have turned my back, but He didn't move. He's there waiting with open arms for me to turn around and say, Father, forgive me. He's always there. Considering spiritual gifts, he's given that portion of our lives to the Holy Spirit to help us. Verse 7 says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Hmm. To each one. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for what? That's a question. <laughs> for good. For good. Well, if that's the case, how can I then be a dead saint? What am I supposed to manifest in my life? question. <laughs> Good works. Why? To show the Holy Spirit. To show God the Father. To show God the Son. Because I'm His chosen vessel in the 20th century. And when I say I, that's collectively. We are His chosen vessels in the 20th century. We are to be about good works. 
We'll not get into it, but it's interesting to me that in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul talks about spiritual gifts. In chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, he talks about spiritual gifts. And sandwiched right in between those two is chapter 13. And what is chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians all about? Love. Hmm. You think that has any bearing on the way we're to conduct our lives and conduct our testimony to others? Here's talking about gifts over here. Here's talking about gifts over here. And he's talking about love right in the middle. Absolutely. We're to be loving people. How can we be loving people if we're dead people? Hmm. We can't. We can't. We need to be alive. If we're alive, we're going to be doing something. We're going to be busy. We're going to be carrying out the work that God has given us to do. In verse 8, it says, To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in tongues in different kind in speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. Now, if you want a list of spiritual gifts, there's a list. It's not comprehensive. One of the things that's interesting to me, as you read the Bible, you read different portions of Scripture that talk about spiritual gifts. Never do we find the same list twice. Some of the lists that we find have two or three or more of the same elements, but they also introduce other spiritual gifts. Some just talk about them generally. There's a passage in 1 Peter that just talks about two categories, but they all fall under those categories. So if you need a list, there are lists. Here's a good list to start with. Um, But all these, in verse 11 it says, are the work of one and the same Spirit And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now I thought and I thought and I thought how I was going to introduce this particular subject today. And I finally came up with the fact that I'm going to introduce it with Israel in the Old Testament. That's us in the New Testament. We're to work on it. One of the things I considered doing was starting by saying to you, before I said anything else, Bonseyaba, to see what your reaction would be. Anybody have any idea what Bonseyaba means? What is it? Bonseyaba, mupoke le la bali pela maka akuba bana. So what? And I was going to use that as an illustration for speaking in tongues. That is a tongue. It's an African language. And it basically means all who sing in love are the children of God. Now, don't take everything you hear at face value. Because all who sing in love are the children of God is not a true statement. Is it? No. Good answer. No. It's not. 
Just because we sing in love doesn't make us a child of God. But I was going to use that as an illustration to talk about tongues, but then I thought, well, if I do that, what's going to happen is everybody's going to think we're going through two weeks of talking in tongues, and we're going to lose everybody. Not necessarily, but there are, some, there are a lot of things to be said about tongues, but we'll not really talk about tongues other than just to put them in one general category a little later on. But I, I opted not for that introduction because of different reasons. Incidentally, I don't know any African. The only reason I know that song is because it's, it's, it's a song. It's not just a statement. It is a song. Uh, it's an African song that's very popular today. I think it comes from uh, The Lion King, Circle of Life Cycle. Um, written by, oh, somebody in Africa, obviously. <laughs> Arranged by Elton John, who certainly wouldn't have any, any qualifications for saying you could be a child of God by, well, maybe he does, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't harp on Elton John too much. But we're not going to talk about tongues per se, although it is a valid gift that was given by the Holy Spirit. Uh, I personally believe that it's a, a gift that ceases to be today. Um, and I base that strictly on the fact that as you study tongues in the scriptures, we always find that when tongues were spoken, it was assigned to unbelievers. And if it's used as a sign to unbelievers, then it certainly wouldn't be for the church in the 20th century, would it? Enough of that. Chapter 12, 1 Corinthians, verse 12. Just as one body, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the same one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And then Paul goes into a discourse about the body, the foot, the hand, the ear, the eye, and to just sort of encapsulate, he points out the fact that everything is important. Everything is important. Every part. What are you? Bonnie, what are you? What are you? Which part of the body are you? The heart. Good for you. Wanda, what part are you? The heart. Okay. Anybody a different part than the heart? Jerry? Everybody's sitting there saying, boy, I hope he doesn't know my name. <laughs> a hand. Okay. Which is more important, the hand or the heart? Equally important. Equally important. What part am I? Probably the foot, because everybody seems to step on me all the time. <laughs> no, that's not true. I, I don't know. I don't know what part I am. But whatever part I am, I need to be contributing to the whole. Okay? We are one body, many parts. We are to exercise our 
capabilities, our tasks, our whatever it is, in love, contributing to the whole. Why did God put me in the body of Christ? Why did God put me in the church? Why did God put you in the church? That's a question. What is it? To edify and build up. I didn't catch all that, but yeah. Go ahead. Say it again. To edify and build up until we all reach maturity together. That means you're supposed to help me. That means I'm supposed to help you. That means we're working both together for the same body. Hmm. That means I'm supposed to help you. That means you're supposed to help me. That means we're all working together so that this body, which is the church, which is an example of Christ, it says, we are the church, and here in the 20th century, we are to all be working together so that we can edify and build up the body into maturity, into completion. You're to be, dare I say it, alive. You're to be alive. You have a function in this body. It's not like, I'm going to go to church this morning, I'm going to sit on the back row, I'm going to sing when it's time, I'm going to listen when it's time, I'm going to pray, close my eyes when it's time, and I'm going to go home when it's time. Well, there's more that you could do on a Sunday morning than those few things. You need to talk to others. You need to smile and you need to share what's going on in your life with others. Do you love your brother and sister enough to share with them what's happened in your life this past week? You know, I had a hard time this past week, so I'm not sure they're going to want to hear that. Now, you know what? If you had a hard time this past week, you probably ought to share that with somebody so that they can help pray for you so that you'll have an easier time next week. I'm, I'm going to share something with you. Some of, the, some of the best times of fellowship, and I'm going to pick on somebody for just a minute, some of the best times of fellowship that I have with Jerry Pruitt are over the fence in the backyard. Jerry doesn't live near me, but we talk over the fence a lot, don't we, Jerry? <laughs> I used to live in Allen Park. Jerry bought a home right behind the home where I lived in Allen Park. My wife's office is there, so she's over there five, six days a week, seven, eight days a week. Um, I go over quite often to do different things. One of the things I do is I mow the lawn. I moved into a retirement community eight years ago so that I wouldn't have to mow the lawn and shovel snow and things like that. So now I go over to Euclid and do that because my daughter lives in our house there. And when my kids were young, I had two girls. I told my two daughters that shoveling snow and mowing lawns and things like that are not girls' jobs. You don't have to do that. I'll take care of it. 
Well, now here I am, 72 years old, and I'm sorry I taught him that. Because I go over there and I cut the grass, trim the... When it snows, I go over and... Before I got the snowblower, I actually shoveled it. I enjoy that. I, I don't mind doing that. But Jerry and I, often when I'm there, Jerry will come out and we'll stand and talk over the backyard. If, if Jerry's not home, I get the lawn done in about two hours. It's three lots wide. It's a pretty big lot. When Jerry's there, it usually takes me about four hours. <laughs> but I enjoy talking to Jerry, and we share different things about... We don't, have a, we don't have an agenda. We just talk. We talk about spiritual things. We talk about other than spiritual things. But it's a great time just sharing with him. We don't tell all our trials and tribulations to each other. But occasionally we do share something with each other that is an item that we could be praying about. Uh, we should be more than happy to do that. Because why? Well, because if I'm a finger... I need the hand. Can you imagine being a finger if there were no hand? <laughs> if I'm the hand, I need an arm. If I'm the arm, I need a, you know, leg bone connected to the shin bone, shin bone connected to the knee, you know. Remember that song from... 90 years ago. <laughs> that's us. That's us. We're a finger that's connected to a hand or a hand that's connected to an arm. Right? Carry it on through. We'll get all the way up to the heart. Thank you for being the heart. We need you. No matter what part we are, we have one and the same spirit who is guiding us, who is directing us, who has the, the overall goal in mind and gives us a little part to play. Now, wouldn't it be a shame if we needed 100 people to participate in some kind of a fantastic event? Nothing in mind, just using this as an illustration. We need 100 people and we can be a part of this great event that's going to happen. We get to 99, and no one else will step forward and say, I'll be a part of that. What do the 99 do? It's required to have 100. I'm a, I'm a rule guy. <laughs> I spent 20 years in the military. I try to follow the rules. If the rule says you need 100 people, group comes to me and says, I've got 99. I say, I'm sorry, you need 100. Go get another one. Come back. Sorry. That's the requirement. What if we were, I don't know, let's say some big evangelism experience that's going to be happening that we want to participate in, but we need 100 people in order to be a part of this. And we can only come up with 99 you go to somebody and say to them, you know, we only need one more person. Can't you help us out with this? Ah, you know, I've got so much going on in my life that I, I do this on Monday. I do this on Tuesday. I, I, I'm, not, I'm just not going to be able to do that. I'm sorry. 
what do we do? The 99 who are really hepped up about going to it and, and participating in this. Well, we get disappointed. We just can't do it. But you know what? The Holy Spirit doesn't work that way. He doesn't get disappointed because he doesn't get enough to do it. He says to the hand, well, I'm going to give you another task as well as controlling the fingers. <laughs> Hurts. I'm going to give you another task. I want you to also hold this Bible. Or I want you to tie this tie. Or to be a part of a group that requires a certain number, we don't have that option. We can't say, okay, I want you to split yourself into two. You be two people now, we'll have a hundred. We can't do that. But the Holy Spirit works and he gives as he sees fit in order to get the job done connects us together you might have 15 gifts and the person sitting beside you might only have one gift that doesn't make you any better than that person or any worse than that person it's just that the Holy Spirit has appointed you to do more and that should make you more happy that should make you more blessed that should uh, more happy should make you happier <laughs> sorry about that the spirit should be in control now unfortunately our time is up hmm. 20 seconds we have the ability to quench the spirit bible tells us don't quench the spirit we have the ability to say no to the spirit but when we do that when we do that, we're being very selfish because we are then affecting the rest of the body. And again, we need to take those tasks at hand, do what our portion is, whatever it may be, and do it in love. We'll continue this next week. We'll look at a few gifts specifically but as we leave today, what I want you to think about is how am I going to conduct my spiritual life? Am I going to be a body in a grave? Or am I going to be a live saint? It's up to you, not me. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you for the opportunity of looking at your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who works in our lives in a marvelous way, gives us jobs to do, help us to be obedient to the call of the Holy Spirit, help us to accomplish those tasks in love, help us to be a part of the body that brings glory and honor to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.